Thank you for joining for this episode of the Techspective podcast. Uh, my guest for this episode is Ian McShane. So, Ian, if you could uh, introduce yourself, give a little bit of background. Sure. Thanks for having me. My name is Ian McShane. I'm not American. Um, I'm English. I've been in cybersecurity for about 20 years, mostly on the vendor side um, for such names as Arctic Wolf, Semantic, CrowdStrike, Endgame, and probably my most well-known um, job prior to this was uh, working as the lead analyst at Gartner, where I covered endpoint protection and EDR and all the kind of security operations topics there. All right. Um, well, so not, you know, hopefully people know, but not, not everyone knows that uh, May is uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. I know that I've, I've, at least in my circles, I've seen on LinkedIn and on Twitter a fairly steady stream of people, you know, making comments and, and, and talking about the importance of um, mental health, uh, destigmatizing it. Um, which I think is 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 a huge thing, really, is just is just having the conversation and 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 making it acceptable to to just have that conversation and just admit that there's a problem and and not like you have to kind of like you know muscle through. Um, but I wanted to have you on uh, really to to, to kind of talk about your perspective on some of these issues. Um, you know, so you know, you said you've been you know working in in cybersecurity for twenty years. Um, I've been you know working in and writing about cybersecurity for about the same amount of time. Um, burnout, it, you know, burnout is, a, is is an issue for any uh, industry, any you know anyone really. But um, I I do feel like cybersecurity is particularly prone to uh, burnout, especially the people who are in the trenches in a in a in a sock. Um, you know, it's just, you know, with sort of being under constant siege from attacks, um, there just isn't really downtime. I mean, it is a 24 seven operation. You don't personally have to be on 24 seven, but the operation has to be 24 mm seven. -hmm. Exactly. And, and sometimes that ends up being that that one person or two people in, in IT or security do have to be on 24 by seven because, you know, stuff's down and stuff needs fixing, and the business needs needs it to carry on. Like you say, it's, it's not it's not new. Like I've aged myself, obviously, by saying I've been around for like twenty years. But even even twenty years ago, when I was what we would call frontline as a sysadmin, you know, we would have days of twenty four hour shifts. I, I slept on more data center floors than I can I care to remember. Right, surrounded by air conditioning and servers taking a you know 20 to 25 minute cat nap while the latest i don't know firmware update was happening to the sand to see if you know that would bring it back online so it's something that's been around for a really long time i think for all of the misery that social media brings i think one of the one of the benefits has been that you know it really has given the opportunity to raise a spotlight to health and well-being and especially in in, in our industry too well, yeah, you know, one of the things, and and I I, I want to say this is somewhat uniquely American, but I could be wrong. But is this idea of uh, that it's an achievement or 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 a you know a badge of honor for you to to kind of push through, and and that starts young. I mean, because it's like it, in in elementary school, you know, there's the, you know they, they they pass out awards for at the end of the year for you know people who had perfect attendance and stuff, and it's like okay, but to achieve perfect attendance, what that means is 
you woke up and you had like a fever and a runny nose, but you went to school anyway because yep. you wanted you wanted to have perfect attendance. And, and people do that for work too. People are like, well, I woke up feeling like shit. Um, you know, but, but I, I, I must, you know, I took some Advil and here I am. I was like, well, don't do me any favors. Go home. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, even my kids school, so my kids, uh, um, you know, high school and lower age for, for the American audience, but every month they, you know, the report on the classes that had the best attendance and there's awards for, you know, 100% attendance throughout the year. It's, it's a dangerous precedence to set. You're quite right. All right. I mean, you know, and my daughter, uh, is a is a is a dancer and she's been dancing since she was like two and uh, not where she's at now so much but the studio she was at when she was like eight nine ten um they did that you know where they were like you know at the end of the year there'd be like a perfect attendance award and there and there were girls who literally came like too sick to dance but just to like be in the room and take notes or whatever. And it's like, okay, but then the next week, five kids are out because your kid wanted perfect attendance. Now everyone's sick. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that. And you're right. It, it's translated into, into business, not just in, in the U S but certainly in the UK as well, that it's a badge of honor for powering through and, you know, not needing to, I don't need to take the rest. It's all right. I'm, I'm hard as nails. Look at me. I can come to work and still um, get the job done. But I think that's something hopefully touch with covid is going to put the, the the end to because i don't want people coming to work if they think they've even got the inkling of a, a of having right. covid right I don't, i'm well, just, just getting over covid now and it sucks i tell you it yeah. sucks 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 yeah i mean i've i've not had it but uh, my uh, my son's had it uh, here a couple of my sons have had it um yeah. but you touched on what i was what i was getting ready to talk about which is hopefully you know, what we've gone through the past couple of years where everyone, you know, started working from home. Now, um, I've been working from home for the most part for all 20 years of my, you know, like, yeah, like that's, all, that's pretty much all I've ever done. I, I, I only very reluctantly go into the office when it's like a requirement. Um, <laughs> I'm the same. I'm, I'm like a typical IT nerd. I hate most people and I would rather, you know, sit on my own in a dark room and get stuff done. Well, and, and but part of my philosophy was always, and I and I feel like the world is finally catching up to this. Was always, look, if I wake up and I have a headache or a fever or my you know my throat hurts, that doesn't incapacitate me. I can still work, but I don't want to come to the office. Like I don't want I don't want to come in and expose everyone else to my germs or you know never mind that you know when you're sick then you're just more irritable and you you want to be around people even less but i'm like but it doesn't mean i can't work as long as you yeah. let me work from here yeah but there's i think there's there's a, a line there that the onus is on us as the remote employees that you know isn't crossed is that we're not just working eight hours a day five days a week whatever the weather right if you're sick you're sick i think that's something that is probably new to a lot of folks that are starting to work from home certainly over covid i, I heard a lot of feedback like this is that they felt like because they weren't going into the office they had to demonstrate value um, even more so for being away and that meant working when they were sick or working more hours than you would do it uh, in the office like uh, anecdotally from from friends and, and former colleagues i would hear throughout covid of big like big organizations that should know better really having uh, encouraging people to take early morning meetings because now you don't have to commute so what are you doing in the morning or where where are you going to go on vacation during a pandemic? Why do you need some time off? You know, right? Well, and 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 
I've been guilty of that. I've been guilty of that myself and guilty of using that really as as a bargaining chip because so when I was at uh when I was at EDS around you know 2004 2005 um I was working from home but they got like an a, I want to say it was a new CFO who came in and looked at all of their leasing agreements and was like well we're paying for all of this office space you know people you know so they they, they rescinded all of the like remote work arrangements and said everyone needs to come to the office we're like we're, we we have to pay the rent whether you show up or not so we want you to show up now i was also already i was writing on the side you know i mean so i had a day job but i was writing for about.com i was working on books i was i was doing a bunch of stuff um a bunch of stuff that paid me in addition to my day job and so when my manager says, okay, well, you know, the, the, you have to come into the office now. And I was like, that's a, I don't like that. That's a bad idea. And he was like, well, you know, you have to, it's a requirement. And I was like, well, look, right now I can wake up. I can sit down at the desk in my pajamas at 6 AM. I'm working. If you want me to come in now, I've got to wake up like earlier. I've got to shower, get dressed. I got to get in the car. There's an hour and a half commute depending on traffic. Um, you know, that's all just wasted time. Um, you know, and, and then there's the hour and a half commute home, et cetera, et cetera. And, and from my perspective, I was trying to make the case that it was all wasted time, but really I was saying, no, you're wasting my time. Those, those are billable hours for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, but in the end they were like, well, no, you have to come in. And I said, okay, fine, but know this, I will show up on time. I will leave on time at five Oh one. If you say, Tony, I need, I'm going to, I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> Because I'm like, no, you already, you already stole like four hours of my day. You don't get any more. Mm -hmm. And that that's, was, that's great. that was yeah. my argument. But the thing is, as, as you're framing it now and as, and it's true, that should always be the case. Really? Like it should all, like, regardless of whether I'm working from home or not, it's like, well, no, I gave you your time. I'm done now. Yeah. Those boundaries are, are really important and um, really important to set and to try and stick to. That's the harder part is trying to stick to that. Um, yourself or in, and certainly I have trouble trying to stick to or trying to enforce work-life balance slash boundaries all the time I do wonder as well just it just popped in my mind as you were saying that like how much how much of that what's the right what's way to right put it how much how much of that is like you know being male and being white and having that privilege to be able to stand up to your boss and saying do you know what it's 501 get out of here I'm done Oh, absolutely. You know, one of the things that, uh, in, in a similar vein, one of the things that um, was brought to my attention recently, and I was like, oh, shit, that's true, is the entire concept of, oh, well, COVID hit, and now we all just work from home, is a very privileged thing. Like, that's a, <laughs> like, people who, people who, you know, work in retail, work in healthcare, work like there's lots of jobs, you know, work in the restaurant industry. Like they didn't get to just sit home. Um, yeah. and, 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 and there's like a inverse relationship between sort of the, the, the pay and benefits that go with the jobs that get to stay home and the pay and benefits that go with the jobs where, no, you've got to show up. Um, so it's very, very privileged. My whole, my whole career has been very, very privileged in my ability to just say, you know what, I'm going to work right here. I'm good. Yep, one hundred percent. And I'm in the same boat. You know, I spent most of my working working career um, working remotely for American companies. So a commute for me is, you know, San Jose or Mountain View or Sunnyvale. It's somewhere in you know California. So yeah, you're, you're totally right. There's this there's a real benefit and boon to being able to have that. But I think like from a 
personal standpoint with that kind of power comes responsibility to yourself as well. And I think that's one of the things, especially for folks that are getting used to or are new to remote working, again, is defining and sticking to those boundaries. Because, you know, like you say, it's, it's a benefit and more and more, especially in, in, in IT and cybersecurity, it's becoming a benefit that people are expecting as part of their remuneration, right? It's like, I want to get paid a lot of money. I want to do some really cool stuff. Oh, and guess what? I want to do it wherever I can, wherever I want, not wherever I can, wherever I want. So it becoming a benefit is is really interesting because now we've got to start to balance that with what does that mean at home? Because I realize I'm privileged. Does that mean I need to stay online in air quotes for an extra two or three hours so that my, you know, my manager doesn't rescind this now that we're going back to the office? Right. Well, and that, I, I, I'm surprised we're still in this boat sort of because, you know, almost 20 years ago, I was having the, the, these conversations. Um, so it's not really new to me, but I, I had I, basically the point I'm going to get to is that the, the, the management culture needs to change. It's that, you know, the, the managers are the ones who are like, oh, well, if you're not sitting at this desk in this cube, uh, you know, eight to five, how do I know you're working? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had that conversation in like 2003. Um, and, you know, he was like, well, you know, if you're not here, how do I know what you do? I'm like, it's simple. You say, Tony, I need X, Y, Z by Friday. Either I give it to you by Friday or I don't. That's all you need to know. Yeah. That's all you need to know. Like, yeah. You don't need to measure. You don't need to measure. For all you know, I cranked that out over lunch on Monday. And I went golfing on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and then dropped it in your inbox on Friday. That's none of your damn business. Like you're, you're, you're measuring the wrong thing. You don't, you're, you're not paying me for my time. You're paying me for what I deliver for what I provide to the company. So if I can do that in an hour and a half, then you don't get 40 hours. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, you know, the, the knee jerk reaction, I think a lot of organizations, again, that are new to remote working went to was like this hyper supervisory mode where they're like, right, everyone needs to be on Zoom on a camera so I can see you sat in front of your laptop. We're going to have monitoring stuff, making sure that your keys are being pressed and your mouse is being moved and that your machine isn't going to sleep. And then it was it was kind of fun to see all the people working around it. Like, and you know, the, have you ever seen that episode of The Simpsons where Homer starts working from home and he has the nodding yeah. thing that starts tapping the A? And so people were getting those to move the mouse. Right. So the, the tracking software would think that there's people actually interacting with the device. It's, it's sad times. I mean, dystopian, sad times, but hilarious at the same time. But, you know, and, and, the, and the pushback I got, though, and, and that I've heard many times over the years is, you know, they will say, oh, well, if we let everyone do that. There's going to be someone who abuses that. There's going to be someone who doesn't get their stuff done. My friend, I'm like, then fucking deal with them. Yeah. And what about the, Is that the, my the problem? sucks in the office as well? The people that are going around to taking two hour, three hour lunches in the office. I used to see that when I worked in offices. Right. So I, I was like that, that this whole this whole thing is a there's a very simple solution, which is you set expectations. If they're met, yay. If they're not met, you address it. You don't need yeah, to have exactly. a blanket draconian policy that says we're going to assume you all suck. So <laughs> we're going to you know control everything. Exactly. One of one of the first things I used to say to to direct reports when they came on board is like, you know, you've obviously passed your interviews. You've demonstrated that you can hopefully do the job. You've demonstrated your character. So why wouldn't I want to trust you on day one? Like, I'm going to trust you to get your job done until you give me a reason. Otherwise, there's no need for me to, like you say, just keep haranguing, harassing you every day. Are you working? Are you at your desk? Why I can't see you at your cube. I haven't seen you 
scratch your ass for you know three hours what are you doing right well and you know along those same lines you know the 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 conversation that i had you know, in, you know back in 2003 you know the, the one of the other pushbacks was you know one of the responses to my my argument was but if you get it done on monday you know then i want you you know you should turn it in i, I want you to turn it in on tuesday and i'm like no see that's the problem and and, and this is going to sound cocky but you know there's a, there's a fine line sometimes between cocky and true um, I'm like, I'm two to three times better and faster than my peers. You don't There's get paid upside, <laughs> right? You're not going to pay me two to three times more. There's no upside for me in delivering yeah. this thing that you asked for on Friday on Tuesday, because all that means is you're going to give me another one that you're going to want on Wednesday. And then another one you're going to want on Friday because I can, and that's not, that's not how this works. <laughs> so I'm yeah. like, I'm not giving you three times more just because I can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, and by all means, if you want to, if you want to pay me three times more, that's a conversation we can have, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to just do it. And, you know, and I came back to my same argument, which is just, no, the, 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 the way you lead a team and the way you run a company is by setting expectations and having deliverables. And as long as people are doing those things, at least to the level of expectation. Now, hopefully you know people should strive to exceed the level of expectation uh to some extent um you know like 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 in my case i could do the report on monday i could go golfing on tuesday and wednesday and then you know like thursday afternoon i could sit i could submit the report and be like cool i'm ahead of i'm ahead of schedule you asked for it on friday here i'm giving it to you on thursday um let me play devil's advocate for a minute like one of the one of my favorite one of my favorite discoveries, I guess, of my working career is that HR doesn't work for the employee, it works for the company, right? And so on a, on a similar line, like, why should I want, and just putting this out there, why should I have to exceed what I'm being asked and paid to do? You know, not, not everyone wants to be promoted, not everyone wants to be a team manager. Some people are happy to come to work and do the job they do and, you know, clock in, tick the box and clock out again, right? Absolutely. Well, I agree. And 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 I'd say that's a, that's a whole... It's like almost like a separate corporate culture conversation to have of yeah. why is the expectation that if I want, even even if I want to be promoted, if I want to be promoted, if I want to, you know, a raise, mm -hmm. why do I have to work above what you're asking me to do to achieve those things? Like if I do what you're asking me to do, that's almost frowned upon. You're like, eh, okay, great. You showed up. You did the thing I asked you to do, you know, pat on the back. But if you actually want to, move forward you know they always say you know work do 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 the do the job you you want not the job you have and it's like well no i'm only being paid for the job I <laughs> exactly how about they pay me for the job they want me to do right um i mean different different anecdote but uh my my first job in it uh i had i, I had been in the air force i had gone into doing sales stuff with my dad for his money mailer franchise in in illinois and then I, you know, decided to you know, apply for IT jobs. So I had no official, like technical IT background. I didn't go to school for it. I just, my background was I had been using computers since I was 12 and taught myself everything on a Commodore 64. That was my back. <laughs> yep. um, but I went in, I did the interview and, and, and I was hired for the job. 
And the job was, uh, I was at uh, McCann Erickson Detroit as an you know, advertising agency. And they had a very small IT department. There were two people there. And he hired me uh, to basically be the 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 guy who answers the phone, you know, and 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 basically dispatches the other two, you know. So the calls would come in. I'd get the email. I'd say, "Oh, hey, you know what, Joe? I need you to go fix, you know, Lisa's computer on the third floor." Um. But when he, I I I don't really know the explanation. I don't know why he he chose to do it this way because again, I had no background, no experience. But on the org chart, he put me over these two people. <laughs> They both quit week one. They're like, never mind, we're out. And I was like, oh, okay. So then he says, okay, well, now I just need you to, to do it all. So, you know, the call comes in. And instead of saying, hey, Joe, I need you to fix Lisa's computer, you just need to get up and go fix Lisa's computer. And then you need to come back and find out what the next ticket is. And I was like, all right, cool. And uh, after like two weeks of that, I was like, okay, but you're working on hiring their replacements, right? And they were like, well, no, this seems to be working. We're, we're, this is good. And I said, oh, okay. I said, you know what? It's actually kind of working for me too. That's fine. Um, I'm going to need a raise. And, you know, they, they immediately were like, you've been here two weeks. They're like, you know, we, you know there, there's a whole po policy in place. We have, a, we have a process, you know, after one year, then we'll look at this and then we'll consider it and, you know, we'll talk then. And I was like, yeah, that's not going to work for me. I'm not doing this for a year to, to you know, like, and they're like, yeah, but we don't give raises. I said, it's not a raise. <laughs> yeah. like, what do you mean? I said, you hired me to do this job. Now you're asking me to do this job. And if you ask me to do three jobs, when you only hired me to do one job, now you need to pay me for the other two jobs. <laughs> yeah. And, and ultimately, like I wasn't asking, I wasn't asking them to like triple my my pay. I was, you know, I think I think I was being very reasonable about it. I was like, well, you know, no, you're asking me to do more. I'm going to need more. And, uh, you know, so it was a 50 percent bump from. What I originally had, um, but it was still a significant savings for them. So I'm like, yeah, Look, I'm, I'm meeting you in the middle here. Like I'm I'm asking for a lot personally, but you're still saving a ton. And, and, and they gave it to me and it all worked out. But, uh, but yeah, it was like the, the companies, companies do a lot of that too, where like they downsize or they let someone go and then they just go, let's just see how it goes. Let's just, everyone else pick <clears throat> slack and we'll just, you know, let it ride. Yeah. Like I've got a similar story to that, right. But almost the polar opposite, I suppose. So I don't know if that makes it similar. Like my, my backgrounds, I didn't go to, to college or school after, um, I left uh, permanent education. My, background before my first IT job was running a Mexican restaurant. So I was hired for um, customer service skills or dealing with difficult drunk customers, maybe. And so I started, you know, in a call center doing frontline support for consumer email. And this is back in the days of dial up. This is the back in the days of pop three and SMTP and the devil's mail device itself, Outlook Express. And so I spent a lot of time on the phone for nine hours, 10 hours a day with generally tech phobic people, even in, you know, 2001, they were just trying to get their email and I worked in frontline support. So I had no access to anything. I was the lowest of the low, you know, second line looked down and you third line didn't even give you the time of day and, you know, engineering wouldn't pee on you if you're on fire. So it kind of sucked. But what I, I discovered was if I actually, I could actually make my life easier by number one, figuring out how things worked 
figuring out how I can solve problems without access to other tools and kind of hacking my way around the system. So instead of just being that phone jockey that like reads through a script and then says, do you know what? Someone's going to call you back in 24 hours because fuck only knows what's wrong with this. I would actually, you know, go a step further and start to figure out, is this like a password issue actually typing this in? Are you, you know, going further to troubleshoot things rather than going down that script? And you know what? It made my job a lot more enjoyable because not only was I solving things, like I'm a, I'm a geek. I like to fix things anyway. But not only was that, I wasn't dealing with as many irate customers because the phone calls would take longer to do. My managers were annoyed at the amount of time I was spending on each individual call and the, you know, the number of calls per day was going down. But I was actually you know, able to prove by them listening to the listening into the calls that I'm actually solving problems. And that's how, you know, ultimately I managed to get myself promoted through the, the, the kind of call center ranks because I wanted to make my life easier because the job they hired me to do was terrible. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't generally envy the uh, first line customer service, not just in tech, but all of them. I mean, yeah. now yeah. I, I, I actually I'm on both sides of that coin because I don't envy them. At the same time, I will be irate with them. Oh, man. Uh, the thing is, I, I know the inside baseball. I know they're reading from a script. I know what they're telling me is what they're allowed to tell me. And it still infuriates me. I'm like, I just, I know what you're about to tell me. Can I, can you just progress this to the next one? They're like, well, let me, let us try a few things first. I'm like, I know it's not going to work. Like, right. I'm that smart ass person I mean, on the other the, end of the phone, the right? Of anyone, that's the curse of anyone in tech. Uh, you know, uh -huh. like when, when, you, when you finally get to the point where you're like, okay, I can't solve this, I actually have to call. Apple or Microsoft or whatever and figure out what's going on here. But you've got to get through level one and two. You're like, look, I, I, I guarantee you, I have already done your level one and two flowcharts. They're, mm -hmm. they're done. <laughs> Those yeah. didn't solve the problem. Uh, but I, 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 I can empathize with it because they don't know me, right? They get, they get a million people a day calling up thinking they know everything. And do you know what? Sometimes like I hold my hands up. I've taken something into the genius bar because it wasn't working. And they've been like, have you done this? Have you tried a different cable? That's what it was, because it wasn't charging. Like they said, have you tried a different cable? I'm like, yeah, it didn't work. And they said, oh, have you cleared the fluff out? And I'm like, yeah, of course I have. That was the first thing I did. So the guy reached into his pocket, the, the, the genius bar, and pulled out the, the SIM card removal tool, right, that you used to get with every phone. Yeah. You still do. And like he pulled out this like dime-sized ball of fluff straight out of the, the lightning thing and then plugged it in and it charged. And I'm like looking at him going, well, I'm the biggest fucking idiot in the world now, aren't I? <laughs> No, I, 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 I had a similar, uh, genius bar experience actually, you know, where, where I was like, yeah, just won't charge. I don't know what to tell you. And then they're like, oh, well, let's take all this fluff out of here. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> well, that makes me feel a bit bad. Good. Guess that would solve the problem. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, so, you know, bringing it back, I guess a little bit to cybersecurity in particular, you know, one of the, one of the things, you know, we've, we've been saying for. I want to say at least four or five years now, um, you know, these statistics about the cybersecurity skills gap. And, you know, we, you know, we have, we have far too many, you know, cybersecurity needs. There aren't enough people. We need more people. Um, but at the same time, the people we have, we kind of abuse them and, and they're all getting burnt out. So, uh, you know, there is, there, there seems to be like a, uh, a conflict there where like we, we want more people, but why would anyone want that job? Unless you get to be like a, an, an engineer at like uh, Netflix or Facebook or something, because I, I saw the thing going around last week or whatever with like, there, you know, these guys are getting paid half a million plus. I'm like, I'm in the wrong field. Yep. Seriously. <laughs> I, I looked at that. I was like, well, I, I jumped on the wrong bandwagon a few, a few years ago, didn't I? 
But you know, but you know, so what, how 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 would you say organizations can deal with that? Like, what 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 can an organization do? You know, you 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 need cybersecurity analysts. You need people working in the you know, Arctic Wolf. You know, is is a you know, offers, uh, you know, sock services and, and, and things you need people in there and it is a 24 seven operation. So how do you find the balance of, uh, you know, making, yeah, I think, well, making sure people have the, the right boundaries and, 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 and sort of enforcing the boundaries, I think, cause I think some people just won't do it on their own. I think sometimes it's up to the management and some companies have like forced sabbaticals and like, no, you must take this time off. One of one of the interesting things about being with Arctic Wolf in the last year is just really kind of understanding understanding the mindset people have against adopting air quotes managed services, right? And when I've been when I've been talking to customers and, and people in general, there's this real stigma about offshoring things. Like, you know, I think if you go back to big companies like IBM or, or even Symantec, where I was for a while, and, and other ones, I'm sure do the same thing. They would like acquire projects, uh, acquire products, lay off the expensive human capital in air quotes, and then outsource it to, to cheaper countries, right? And I think that's given managed services or outsourcing or the, the outsourcing perspective a bit of a, a bit of a like dirty word. So if you talk to people about outsourcing or, or taking on managed services, they're like, well, it feels like then I've failed in my job or it feels like my I'm trying to replace my team. What's been interesting is if you flip the conversation around a little bit and use different words and you know talk about automation and everyone's like, oh yeah, we've got projects for automation coming out of the wazoo. And then you say, all right, cool. How about you like automate some of the you know tedious crap that your um, security analysts are doing? And they're like, well, what do you mean? And, you describe all the benefits of a managed service without calling it a managed service. They're like, holy cow, that sounds amazing. When can we get some of that? Right. And so I think, you know, there's, there's this real culture against trying to outsource because I think people see it as, as failure. But the reality is like every single, like cybersecurity is critical for every organization, right? I had a, a wicked conversation with a lady called Sue Gordon, who was, and I'm going to get her job title wrong, I'm sure, but she was the deputy director for national security for the U S and one phrase she used really stuck in my mind because it's such a simple way to explain how important cybersecurity is to everyone. And that is that you are either the target or the transport. Like you have to pick one. You're, you might be both, but you're definitely one. You're either the target or the transport, and that's everyone, whether that's opportunistically being compromised and then used later, whether that's being targeted for extortion or ransomware. Cybersecurity is critical for everyone. And you know, the just some organizations are never going to be able to afford a 24 by seven operation. Like if you, if you think about shift work and vacations and illness, you're going to need like six or seven people just to have a very basic 24 by seven coverage, right? That's without any of the strategic stuff or the tactical stuff. And especially down market, six or seven people is probably, you know, someone's entire sales force, let alone their entire, you know, their IT team or anything like that. So in a world where everything is, is moving to automation into the cloud, I think one way people can do that to try and at least get some breathing space for IT folks that are on 24 by seven is, you know, automate some of the boring stuff, get the, you know, get the sock out of the sock and get someone else to deal with that. Right. Well, you know, one of the things, um, when, when I think of managed security, security services, um, my, my, my former day job was, uh, at alert logic. Um, and you know, so we were, in, in in the market 
And when I think of managed security services, I would always look at it like, okay, there are things, you know, if your company makes baseballs, you know, so you have a factory, you're producing baseballs. That's what you do. Um, great. So, you know, all about that, you know, about the materials and that, that that's your thing. You know how to sell that, you know, the market, but you don't know cybersecurity. Um, that's not your thing. So why wouldn't you outsource it? And I think a lot of companies and a lot of people have this sort of like defensiveness about, okay, but this is, you know, it's like, it's my data and it's my systems. And I don't want anyone else kind of messing with that. And it's like, okay, but you're not like, you're not like trying to hire and build your own like medical facility in house in case you need a doctor. You're, you know, you, you're outsourcing someone to come in and, and, and dump the trash and vacuum the floors. You're outsourcing, yeah. you know, like all of these things. You're outsourcing all of these things because that's not your thing. That's not your area of expertise. But this one thing that also is not your area of expertise, you want to hang on to. And it just doesn't make any sense because not only is it not your thing, but like the people who do the managed security that's what they live and breathe. So their, their job is paying attention to the threat landscape and knowing what's coming. And because they're dealing with not just you, but a thousand other clients around the world, they have a much broader perspective on this is what's going on in the world right now. Whereas if you're only protecting your own company, you have to wait until the attacker gets to your door to know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, you you remember when like cloud security or cloud computing, sorry, was in its infancy, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And there was this talk about, oh, I don't want, I don't want to move stuff or infrastructure to the cloud. It's just less secure. Now people couldn't grasp that, you know what, Google and AWS is going to be way more secure of a data center than you could ever build on your own. It's like, it's an actual fact. Like there's going to be room for error. There's going to be configuration stuff, but it's still going to be way more secure than you could build for yourself. And it took some time to, for people to get over that adoption, especially if I think about Europe and how um, you know data residency centric everything became um, over here. But ultimately, I think managed services and, and managed managed outcomes is maybe a better way to put it because it's not just you know people coming in to sweep the sweep the floor and take the trash out. There's you know very specific outcomes. I think it's, it's it has to take adoption because it has it has to be adopted. I think every organization is going to use some level of it uh, at some point in the next you know three to five years because there's just no way to scale. Like I said, six or seven people to do at one twenty four by seven operation is just not going to work for the most you know most of the world. Right. Well, and like when I was at EDS, um, like actually when I when I kind of went from like the network admin side to the cybersecurity side was we. Uh, they had gotten the contract to do security for General Motors. And so uh, uh, my, you know, he wasn't my manager, but the A manager came to me, uh, Stuart, Stuart Tan came to me and he was like, hey, look, we're making this team uh, to, to do this thing. And he wanted, I had just gotten my MCSE. So he wanted someone who uh, understood Windows to, you know, come and be on this team. And so that was my transition to cybersecurity. But we built a team like we were, we were doing managed, we were doing it managed before it was cool. Um, I mean, cause I'm talking, you know, 2003, 2004, we were mm -hmm. doing managed endpoint security. Basically it was managed antivirus, but yeah. we only had a team of five to 10 people and we were managing all of General Motors, all of American Airlines, all of Marathon Oil, um, all, you know, all of their antivirus. Um, and you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm used to that model and it makes sense to me. I'm like, no, because, and we had people who was like, you know, there was someone who was, we had 
basically you had an area of expertise and then a secondary area of expertise when it came to semantic mcafee mm -hmm. trend micro ca we had those four yep. major platforms and so like i was like a trend micro i was like you know trend micro team one with a with a, a with a minor in mcafee um and that's just how and then we delegated based on you know which which clients had which uh antivirus and managed that 24 7 with our team of 10 people for like hundreds of thousands of seats around the world mm -hmm. um because all we were really doing is pushing virus signatures, <laughs> um, which yeah. which whole separate conversation like at, oh, man. Yeah, time, we at, at the time the process when when we started with General Motors, their process was um, it was 30 days from a signature release to having it deployed because there was yeah. an entire like testing mm -hmm. and uh, you know sandbox pilot program thing they had to do before they could and you know that's as like cybersecurity was you know really kind of exponentially escalating and we we were like no you don't understand these signatures are coming out like daily. You know, like they're, they're sometimes more than daily. Um, you can't wait 30 days. Um, you know, but all but all that to say, like, you know, you, you can you can when you work with a managed provider. They can do the same job with fewer people because they're dedicated to doing that job. Um, what I think. Where, where I think it gets away from, like if you if you if you're trying to deal with the defensiveness of like, well, this is our security, this is our stuff. It's like, okay, well, you can you should still have a security team. I'm when I'm not telling you not to have anybody. I'm exactly. telling you, let me be the guy who's monitoring 24/7 and dealing with all the stuff, you know, the, the 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 false alarms and all of the things that are are minor things that we can just address, and then. I'll just let you know about the five things that matter. That's the, the thing, right? Alert fatigue is the, the buzzword that won't die, right? It's been around for 15 years or since basically since the SIM was invented, right? And if, if I just look at the statistics that we have in our socket Arctic Wolf, like we take 318 billion events every single day. That's a lot of noise, right? And even that, you know, once that's passed, enriched and processed and stuff, it still ends up being around about 300,000 what we call interesting events, right? They, those would be the things that people have to go and investigate and figure out, you know, is this real? What do I need to do? And being able to do that kind of thing at scale is really the difference between trying to roll your own and using a managed service because you're getting, the economies of scale just don't work for one organization. Like you want to take advantage of stuff being seen within the, the broader sense of the customer base and being able to be protected by discoveries that are made at other customer sites. And so it's not just it's not just you know one person plus ten people equals a team of eleven. There's this whole big bunch of stuff that goes on the back end. And as I keep having to remind people, we don't want to replace the security stuff, right? We want to take their existing investments, whether that's like their humans or the stuff they've already bought, like from a tools perspective, and make them work, make operationalize everything about security. So the stuff that they've already bought, because remember, every company has access to security tools today, whether it's you know through the operating system. But more often than not, people are spending a lot of money on cybersecurity tools, whether it's basic AV, whether it's network stuff, whether it's you know managed services. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be taken care of. And we don't want to discriminate. So we don't say, hey, you can only come on board and use Semantic McAfee Trend or CA or anything like that. 
what we've tried really, really hard to do is be as vendor agnostic as possible because we don't want someone to be locked in to, and let's use this as a, as a probably a poor example, but you know, Kaspersky customers that are trying to get off of Kaspersky, if they've really bought into Kaspersky's ecosystem, it's not as simple as uninstalling an agent and deploying another one. Right, they've got everything else that was linked to that system. If they're using their EDR, if they're using their network tools, if they're using any any other of the the, the suite of capabilities that Kaspersky have, and let's remember they were really really good at security, so they have customers. But you can't just take it out and move it on. So that's the other benefit I think for some managed services is it takes takes you away from falling into the vendor lock-in trap because ultimately, right, all vendors want you to stay with them forever, and of course Arctic Wolf's no different. But when you're selling tools and when you're trying to increase your market cap for capitalists among us, right? The thing that the investors want to see more of is retention and you know spend per customer. So they want to keep layering on more, not consolidating stuff away from you and you know trying to save you money. So in the grand scheme of things, we're not trying to replace anything. We're trying to make things work better. And that's really the conversation that really changes things when it's when, hey, you still need a security team. We're not here to do everything for you. Like this is a shared security model. You're going to do some stuff. We're going to do the stuff that sucks. Makes sense. Um, as we, you know, I mean, there's no no defined time, but as we're you know sort of try to wind down, I, I want to bring back to you know burnout and and, and mental health uh, a little bit, and and say, you know, one of the things that I had brought up prior to us starting was, you know, the idea of, you know, accrued time off versus PTO and, uh, you know, unlimited PTO and, um, you know, the, you know, the unlimited PTO, I, you know, like I said, I, I, I think it's kind of a, it's kind of a catch 22. It's, 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 it's got benefits. If you, if you, if you use it properly, if, if both the employee and the company use it properly, great, not a problem. Let me ask you this: Have you have you ever been on unlimited PTO anywhere? Yes. And have you ever exceeded the num the amount of PTO you had in your last accrual job? Probably no. I don't. I don't think so. And that's that's by design by the company. That's why they're trying to roll it out. Like like you said earlier, when you accrue it, you're like, pay me. You owe me this. Like, give me the time off. Give me, give me, give me. And you know it's probably on your pay stub every you know couple of weeks of how many days or how many hours you've you've accrued. Whereas if you're having to go and say, hey, I'm just going to take time off, and you know how much of free PTO is too much? Like, and again, coming back to the you know working from home stuff, like the amount of people that were on that I know personally that were on unlimited PTO and just didn't take any time off throughout the entire first year of COVID. Because they were like, well, where am I going to go? I'm going to be at home anyway, so I might as well work. Right. Well, but luckily, luckily, unlimited PTO isn't a thing for me as a UK employee. Like we all, actually, I need to check that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I, get, I accrue PTO as opposed to um, being on unlimited PTO still. So. Right. Well, and yeah, I mean, so yeah, I, I had said that uh, when it, when it was accrued, it was a lot easier to just go, well, yes, I'm going to take, I am going to take this time because you owe me. Um, I've earned it. It says right here. Um, now, minor side note, but companies oftentimes when they, uh, for whatever reason, are letting you go, will make arbitrary decisions about whether or not they're going to compensate you for that, you know, and, and feel like they're doing like you've got, you know, 
20 days accumulated PTO. And they're like, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to pay you for like five of those, you know, as part of mm-hmm. your separate package. It's like, Oh no, you, that that's my, I already earned that money. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and, and unfortunately, at least here in the United States, they do get to decide like nobody's, nobody's ever pushed that. Like the, yep. the last time I, I, I had that situation personally, I did seriously consider lawyering up because mm-hmm. I was like, somebody needs to have this battle with a company and, and, and settle this once and for all. I'm like, if you're going to have a crude PTO and say that I've earned this time, mm-hmm. you now owe me that time. Um, yep. wh- whether I leave of my own accord or you let me go, you still owe me this amount of money for this time. Mm-hmm. Here's a, here's a, I was going to say funny story, but it wasn't funny at all. Like when I was a, a former employer, a number of, a number of years ago, almost a decade ago, I guess, um, they were transitioning their US teams onto unlimited PTO, like from accrued stuff. And, you know, one of these weird, like, communications that comes out of HR that tries to explain why they're doing what they're doing, but, you know, fails to do a good job of connecting them as a human, let alone as a, a voice of authority. Like, there was all this confusion because they forced the entire company to shut down for two weeks and to use PTO, like one time in like July, one time in September and said, you know, tough noogies. If you, you know, if you're a US employee, you have to take these dates off and the company will be shut and you have to use up any accrued PTO to do it, whether you like it or not. And there was uproar, obviously, because it was somehow scheduled right before and right after the school vacation, the summer school vacation. So people had already booked off PTO anyway. And now we're discovering that, you know, there was this weird period that they might not be paid for the PTO for the time that they wanted to take. And they had to take the time at other times. It was just a a weird shift. Um, And it really put a sour taste in my mouth for unlimited PTO. That was the first time I'd really heard of it. as, you know, it's far more common now, obviously, but that's that kind of tarnished my viewpoint of it right from the start. Like the company don't give a crap. Well, I hadn't I hadn't actually even considered an existing company trying to make a switch. Like most of the companies that like the, I feel like unlimited PTO, you know, kind of arose with, you know, startups and 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 mm-hmm. stuff. And so if you if you're starting from scratch, that's fine. But I, I never even considered like, okay, but what if I've already accumulated 15 days and now you say, okay, well, starting Monday, we're switched to unlimited PTO. And it's like, okay, but you still owe me for my 15 days. <laughs> yeah, some so, so some places that have transitioned actually paid just paid it out. They you know had a cut over at the end of the financial year, and you know, they're like from from Monday, it's gonna be unlimited PTO. Anything that you had outstanding is gonna be paid up. And one of one of the big reasons, as I understand it, like caveat import, like it's like the reason for the shift was not necessarily human focused. It's more about revenue or bottom line, right? Because they were carrying this debt where they owed a lot of money in hours and PTO to their employees that they right. couldn't, they couldn't have, or they didn't have any influence over, right? It was just going to sit around as a line item. And I'm sure it's costing money to manage it somewhere. Whereas if they flip it over to, you know, what unlimited PTO means we don't have to worry about any of this. Uh, bank balances and, and bookkeeping for um, fiscal purposes. That makes sense. I mean, it does. It does make sense. But and then and then the, you know, the other upside for the company is what we talked about that people don't take it. <laughs> you're reluctant to take it, kind of, because now now I feel like I'm taking something from the company. Like before, I earned it; it's mine. Now it's like, uh, okay, well, you know, everyone's everyone's trying to finish this project, but you know, I'm going to take three days off. That doesn't seem right. Um, yeah. And it feels it feels like you're either one extreme or the other. There are folks that are happy to take as much PTO as they can get away with, 
And on the other extreme, like you're just saying, it's like, yeah, it feels uncomfortable. I'm probably not going to take as much as I would. Like there's no, there doesn't seem to be much of a middle ground. Right. Right. But there are, you know, I'm aware of a couple companies in in the cybersecurity space that literally just shut down for like two weeks, which was like, uh, uh, you know, again, going back to my days at EDS and working with General Motors, like that's a, that's a thing for the, for the automotive industry in Detroit too. It's like, you know, they just shut down for these two weeks. Um, so there are companies that do that and they say, okay, you know what? And, 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 and then you don't have to feel bad. Now, now granted, there's also the, problem, there's also the problem of it's similar to the, sto- the story you just told where it's like, okay, well now you're dictating to me, like when I need, like, what if that time doesn't line up with what I wanted to do? Um, but, but at least you're, you're being forced to disconnect for these two weeks. And there yeah. are companies that have, um, very few, but there are a couple companies that I'm aware of that have, that have a forced sabbatical, like every few years, you've got to take off like three months or something, you know, um, that's pretty nice in principle, right? I mean, if you and, and, there, was- and there are a few companies that have started to adopt, um, four day work weeks or, even, or some, some did it temporarily. I know tenable tenable did it yeah. for a while. It just is like a COVID thing. Like, Hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to have Fridays off. Yeah, exactly. Service now did a similar thing. And even I think elastic were doing one or two days a month. It's like, mental or well-being days or something like that but then you know for every for every organization there is a subset of those people that or subset of jobs that can't just take the day off like 24 by 7 socks for example you know we can't just shut down because and give all our you know, nice analysts a, a week off or a day off because cyber criminal is going to cyber crime right yeah well and it it's it's funny too because um the nature of whores avoid and so like my, my, my last day job at one point, the, the CMO said, you know what, we've all been doing too much. I'm going to declare, you know, Thursday is like no meeting day. So everyone just clear your calendars, no meetings. Immediately people are scheduling meetings. They're like, well, everyone, I yeah, you got free day. And it's just, you know, and, and, you know, there, there've been a couple of times where it's like, you know, They'll, they'll, you know, a company I, I've been at where they've been, you know, they'll say, well, we're, 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 for whatever reason to, you know, we, we hit our quarterly revenue, yada, 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 we're going to take Monday off. And then Monday, everyone's like slacking each other, doing <laughs> stuff. I'm like, what, what, what don't you guys understand about a day off? Like shut down already. Uh, I had the same conversation with a, a colleague of mine just, just right before we, we got on the phone today. It's like, I'm terrible at remembering when it's UK holidays, let alone US public holidays or any other country for that matter. And so I asked ask a colleague of mine to shift a meeting from Friday this week because I'm busy to Monday if he had the time. And he was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm no monarch, but in Canada, it's like Queen Victoria Day or something. And so I'd, I'd rather take every holiday I can. But let me know if you want to do this on Monday anyway. I'm like, shit, no, if it's a holiday, just turn around and say, dude, it's a holiday Monday. Can we do it on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or any other day of the week? Right. Well, so one of the things I, I, I literally just started doing this. Um, uh, I, I, I uh, read the book, uh, what's the name of the book? Deep Work. Um, the whole thing was about, you know, it, it's just about trying, trying to focus. Then it talked about mm-hmm. you know, different people and like how, how they try to like shut everything out so they can be more productive. And, um, 
yeah, I don't, I don't uh, wholeheartedly recommend the book. Uh, I think it, it was one of those books where I'm like, it, it had some good information, but I feel like it conveyed it all in like the first two chapters, and then the rest of it <laughs> just fluff. I'm like, all right, yeah, you already yeah. made the point. Like, I get it. Give um, my money back, yeah. But um, but but the but the point was still valid. So I went in. I, I I've been going in on my on my iPhone, and shut down like all these notifications. Uh, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I don't, I don't need the little red badge popping up to let me know that someone uh you know that there's something on facebook or twitter or you know whatever like because i can't not look then once i see the little red badge i gotta go look um so i shut down like all of these notifications like i, I have very few notifications um enabled anymore because those are all just noise and they're noise yeah. that like we've been conditioned uh, at least i've been conditioned to yeah. not ignore you know so it's like well no i need i just need the notification to not exist because if i if it pops up i'm gonna go i'm gonna go look yep i it took until it took until covid for me to realize that a similar thing is that i don't need to have notifications on i don't need to have slack or, or outlook on my phone over the weekend so you know halfway through the pandemic i started on a friday when i finished work i would delete the profile you know the work profile from my phone so no slack messages until monday no outlook until monday and it was a breath of fresh air the only the only issue i had with it was that i would end i ended up starting to install it earlier and earlier so like it got to like sunday night i'm like right what time do i have to start work tomorrow what's my first meeting do i need to have prepared anything and so sunday night i started looking at my phone and then slack and then it got to the point where i'm like shit it's saturday what have i got to prepare on sunday before my meeting on monday and so this slippery slope went backwards to having you know oh crap i'm just responding to slack messages all the time i think what what's been useful certainly coming to a company like Arctic Wolf is that there is a much healthier top-down drive for um, work-life balance here. Like the CMO makes it very clear when he is not in the office, when he's on vacation, when he's going to be out. And you know what? He doesn't say, oh, but if it's an emergency, text me. He's like, I'm out. Here's the person you need to go and talk to. I won't be online. It was a, a breath of fresh air when, my, when a few weeks ago, my boss sent an email to all of his direct reports saying, I'm sick, I'm not going to respond to anything today. And that was it. Like, no questions, no, like, text me if it's urgent. Like, do you know what? There's bigger things to fry than, you know, being around 24 hours for a, a company that probably hates you anyway. Well, there's then there's a thing that goes around, and it's more it's more a commentary on um, how, uh, how, how shitty the culture and healthcare are in the United States than it is on on the work. But the thing that goes around every once in a while that's like, you know, your colleague in Europe is like, <laughs> yeah, I'm taking the summer off. <laughs> summer off, yeah. Not going to be able to reach me. I'm not looking at my computer. I'm not answering my phone. I'll, I will see you in September. And then in, in America, it's like, all right, I'm having my kidney out at 10 a.m., but I'll still have my phone on me. If you need a text, you know, I'll, I'll be available. Yeah, exactly. I, I, will, I will tell you one thing that I did learn, and a shout out to my former former colleague of mine at my last job is, um making sure that I block my entire calendar day. Like if there are spaces in my calendar, people are going to book meetings and I'll be like rolling my eyes because I'm like, oh, I was planning to do X, y, X, Y, and Z there that is also running late. Whereas if I blocked my calendar with stuff like just time to work or time for meetings, it's very, very clear that people can't just like pick and choose time. And also it helps me plan my week as well. It's these simple things that taken me like, what am I, 42 now? It took me like 38 years to realize, oh yeah, this is a simple way to stop people booking meetings and that's by locking my calendar off. It's not that simple though. Like that, there's still, I have I have time blocked on my calendar and people just schedule shit. And I'm but like, don't you, 
don't you feel better about saying sorry i'm already booked at that time rather I, rather I, than I there being actually, a and space, i have it actually you know? i have it actually set to auto reject it's just that a lot of times when i look at what it is i'm like all right i have to fucking take that um, <laughs> you know like it, at least but, but at least you're choosing because like I, I find that it gives me the opportunity to go back to them and say well number one you know thanks for booking something when i've already blocked my calendar you know this 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 doesn't seem that important maybe we can move it or saying hey you know let me move some stuff around you know it gives you the opportunity it does it gives me it makes me feel like my default deny is more achievable because there's no big gap for someone else to fill right no i agree with that i just i'm just saying like i on a on a larger scale like even going back to the thing where the you know this the, my, my story about the cmo saying we're not going to have meetings on thursday it's like there yeah. just needs to be a broader culture shift of <laughs> everyone else both you know a actually looking at the calendar and not just making up a time and and dropping it on the <laughs> calendar hoping people will show up and b yeah. um honoring that you know like you have to you have to actually look at my calendar and then go oh tony's not available on thursday so i guess we'll do the meeting another time or you know or we'll make tony an optional participant in this, this, in this. yeah there's so much of this in this you know it's funny because we will say cybersecurity is a tools problem, but I think the calendar ca calendaring problems are a tools problem as well because Outlook is terrible at, or Exchange is terrible at managing meetings. Like, why is there no option to automatically add a five or ten minute buffer to everything that goes in my calendar? And so that's why I, you know, there's this web app called Calendly, right? And so you can send people the URL and it will tell them when you're available and it will sync across multiple calendars. That's been a revelation for me as well, is because if people look at that, they can see when they can book something, they can see when I'm open, and they can see which time zone it's in as well. More importantly, because that's the other, you know, first world problem that that I struggle with is like my time zone is fluid at the best of times, and so people can't guess where I am, even though I do the best to keep my my calendar up to date with and say, you know, if there's anything open, you can book it. But then, like I said earlier, secretly I try and block every day off anyway. So. Right. All right. Well. Um, I think we'll uh, kind of end on that note, but uh, I want to thank you for for joining me. I think it was a it was a great conversation. Um, but yeah, I mean that you know we 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 touched on a lot of other things, but but the bottom line is from from a from a mental health and mental health awareness standpoint is you know have some boundaries, you know have some work life balance. Like your 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 company does not own your time twenty four seven. Um, they don't own your time at all technically, you know, like I, like I said earlier, they're, they're paying you for a job, not your time. Um, and as long as you accomplish the job, you don't need to be on 24 seven. Exactly. Like boundaries are so important. And, and like I said earlier, it, like I'm the first person that, that screws, screws up boundaries. I try and enforce myself. So it's, it's hard. It's much, very much a case of easier said than done, but you know, trying to address burnout before it happens is the best way to address burnout, right? Not, you know, trying to figure out what to do when you're, um, You've already had enough and you want to quit. Right. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you, man. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Uh, please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like. Let me know what you don't like. Let me know if you love it. Let me know if it sucks. And uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions you'd like to see answered in future posts.